Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Punches and Potables. I am your host, Paul Ryan. Here once again, as always, is my little brother, Sean Hardy. So are we just going to ignore the fact that Rob hasn't been here for two weeks? We'll, we'll, we'll get to Rob. It's longer he, than that now, right? And as you hear that two voice. Episodes. Two episodes. Two okay, episodes. Yeah, there you go. As always, that voice you just heard is our editor and producer, Dan Morgan. Hey. I think, you know, once we get this, you know, back running full time in the Twitch stream, I think Rob needs to have some kind of punishment, you know, a shirt, a dress, something along those lines. I think the general, I mean, we're usually ones being punished by his shirt, by the way he dresses. So I don't really know if that's going to work. I mean, he's been really progressing into the, I'm no longer a pop punk kid, but I'm trying to get into this old rocker look with the leather. So good for him, I guess. I mean, he's he's making the. the I hate next to break step. it to you, Sean, but you have that so backwards because the the leather was the punk thing that when I met him, that's how it was, and now he's like trying to be kind of an adult, but he can't let the punk go. But his hair is telling him otherwise. Oh, that's gone. There's not a shot that's coming I, back. Exactly. All he's missing is a piss poor motorcycle. If he gets a bad oh, motorcycle, it's, oh, it's coming eventually. It's, def- it's definitely coming. Especially with the rings. Like, I'm pretty sure one of them's a dragon. <laughs> I think one is a dragon. I am pretty sure one's a dragon. Okay, well, we really just went for it right off the bat, huh? Uh, Rob's really going to hate this, but who cares? That's his fault for not being here. That's fair. That's true. I mean, it's been a while. We, you know, we got to get it out of our system. Yeah, we've had a lot going on. We've had some people getting new positions with their jobs. You know, Rob can't communicate with his wife, so now they're doing tax stuff instead of being here. In all wow. fairness. In all fairness. Anyone who's been married, is married, in a long-term relationship, you understand that your wife very rarely tells you you have plans until you're about to leave. All right, I'll take your word for it. Man, it's I remember a fact. being married. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just, just yeah, go for it. Just throwing that business out there. So as you can see, there's been a lot, some moving, some uh, separations, but that's why it took us so long to get back. But we're back. We're, we're back. ready to go. Hopefully, we can uh, keep this more consistent and keep you all updated and interested. Um, we're not going to go through everything that happened while we were gone. The only thing that we are going to mention, UFC-wise, is there was a fight night over the weekend. Robert Whitaker beat Kelvin Gastelum, um, cemented his spot as the top contender, and now they just need to get Israel Adesanya on board to defend his belt against Whitaker. Well, I'm not too sure what cemented is, but I think he cemented his shot, and he cemented that shot. The last fight that he won. He didn't need this fight at all. Yeah, I kind of screwed up what I was saying, but you got it. Whatever. Shut up. Um, so we're going to jump right into the topics. The first thing is one championship finally made its debut nationally here in America. And they had some big names and fan favorites over here, and both of those guys lost. All right, well, the event was kind of piss poor, in all fairness. Um, the Eddie Alvarez, you know... Uh, DQ was horrendous officiating, which has been world, basically. All your big-time referees have all agreed that that was piss-poor officiating. Well, let, let's get into that. So, Eddie Alvarez was disqualified for illegal strikes to the back of the head over... Hold on. I had it written down, and I lost it. It rusty, was... Rusty. That's just professional. Oh, shit. Or sh- unprofessional. Yuri Lepikis. That was the name you struggled with. You get every Russian name possible, and you forgot that one. I forgot it. All right, I had it written down, and I forgot it, so I had to look it up real quick. Um, yeah, that was a piss board decision. If he want, if that ref wanted to call it off because of illegal strikes to the back of the head, because of the weird positioning they were in, and Eddie had really nowhere else to hit him, 
at the at the best you call that a no contest, not a DQ. I don't even think it should have got that far. It should have been stopped at best point reduction or warning. And stand him up. And stand him up. Yuri wanted out of that fight and he played it off bad. He played it off. He knew he had I, I honestly think after Alvarez got a hold of him was getting the and he got the easy takedown. I think he knew he was in for a long night and he found an easy way out. That's entirely possible. And Eddie Alvarez, I mean, he had a, a rough go his first fight in one championship, but he's bounced back and he's been on a tear. And it seemed like he was on his way to a title fight until this happened. Well, that was a number one contender fight. They said that. I mean, he's not really been on a tear. Technically, he's one and two right now in one. But he's fighting again next Friday. He's doing the quick turnaround. Gotcha. So he probably you know, he needed that just to get that DQ off his record and kind of even things up and try to keep pushing forward. Oh, for sure. And then the big upset was the first time Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse, was finished his in his career to Adriano Marais by a knee in the second round. Now, a lot of people are questioning the knee because here in America and the UFC, that shot would have been illegal. But over there, it's completely legal. And Demetrius Johnson was okay with it because he's been campaigning for those strikes to be legalized in the UFC. Yeah, um, it caught me off guard for sure. I honestly never really foreseen Demetrius Johnson losing. I know he lost to Cejudo in a really tight split decision, but for some reason I think that was more popularity push because the UFC kind of wanted to back it. We've all seen UFC bad decisions go, especially the way of the person that they are in particularly trying to push. I'm not saying judges are rigged or bought, but I'm just saying sometimes popularity can weigh a decision. But... His knockout, I'm, I think he's getting the immediate rematch. I think it's already been booked. They're already going again, which I would love to see, and I would love to see Demetrius get the win because that sounds like a phenomenal trilogy that needs to happen in the MMA world because at that point, are they not your number one and number two 125-pounders in the world? I guess it depends on how people view Davidson Figueroa. People are going to view him higher, because at least over here, because he's the only one they're seeing, but... I honest to God think, especially with that gas tank, that Demetrius Johnson would have handled him as long as he survived the first two rounds. And then after that, it would have been a DJ for three, four, five with ease. But, again, you know, that fight's ne probably never going to happen because Dana White traded Demetrius Johnson in, like, a once-in-a-lifetime thing to get Ben Askren. Yeah, that was a bad move on Dana's part. It was definitely not an equal trade. But... Well, hold on. It was actually a brilliant move. Because of that, Masvidal became a superstar. Um, you got money, you know, ridiculous amounts of money for it, and Demetrius Johnson was notoriously not selling, even though he's arguably the greatest fighter of all time. And now after that big fight with Figueredo and Moreno, you do have a lot of eyes on the division. Right. But I'm just saying talent for talent, like fight for fight, they don't match up. No, not at all. Um, I don't. I agree with Demetrius on the niece to a certain extent. Like the people who are just bending over and putting one hand down on the mat so they don't get need because they're considered down. I agree that should be taken out. But if a guy is down on his knees and in a semi-defenseless position the way Sterling was, those shots should be illegal for safety reasons and you know CTE and concussion and potential neck injury reasons. No, I agree with you, um, especially along the cage. I think it's I, I, it's a strategy. I get it, but I hate the strategy of let me bend over, throw one palm on the ground, or have one finger on the ground and prevent myself from getting need. Um, it, it actually kind of slows the fight down, typically makes it a little bit more boring. 
But there, I think I do agree. You should be able to knee to the head, but I agree with you. With two knees on the ground, you're almost defenseless when you're trying to take a shot there. And taking a knee to the face right there can cause a lot of damage. Like, I understood what he was saying with Sterling stalling. But there are so many options there when they're still on the ground like that. You can still punch them. You can go for chokes. But if you throw a knee in there or a kick to the head while they're down there, there's nothing they can do. But you can back up. He, he can stall all he wants. You can back up and tell the referee. Stand him up. Stand him up. So there was countless options that wasn't knee him in the face and lose my belt. No, 100%. And I know Demetri says he supports his stance and decision, and he gave Adriano Morais all the credit. But I just still think there shouldn't be a knee to the head in that position. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. Rules are rules, right? And I guess that's what's going to eventually rival and maybe create a bigger rivalry with one and the UFC. However, you got to put on a little bit better of an event than that to maybe draw more attention because that event was awful. Yeah, and definitely move it to an earlier time here in the U.S. because for us on the East Coast, a 10 o'clock start time on a Wednesday is tough to watch the event because, you know, people have work in the morning. I know my alarm goes off at 4 a.m. every morning. Yeah, yeah. Or get on a bigger network. Wow. It's the sound I make every day I wake up. Yeah, we know. Fair enough. Uh, moving on, we're going, actually, before we jump into the UFC, we are going to jump into Bellator. They're in the middle of one Grand Prix and at the finals of another. Um, Patricio Pitbull and AJ McKee are going to meet in the finals of the Featherweight Grand Prix. Those two have been kind of circling each other for a while, and now the matchup's finally going to happen. Patricio is the top three uh, featherweight in the world. There's no way he loses that belt unless he gets caught. AJ McKee's tough. I'm not going to say he's like top. He's probably anywhere between top 10 and top 15 in the world. I think there's only really one to two fighters right now in the world that could beat Patricio at featherweight. And one of them's Max Holloway. The other might be Volkanovski. What about Ortega? Maybe. I mean, they're both similar. Uh, I it looks like Patricio has a much he hits much harder than Ortega does. Um, it's he he's right there, and that makes it in the top three, easy. Yeah, he's right there. He's one of the best ones in the world, and probably the best fighter Bellator has. Well, self-made be- fighter Bellator has one of their homegrown talents. Him or Lima, one of those two. But moving on to the light heavyweight Grand Prix, three of the four. Uh, quarterfinal fights were decided. You had Ryan Bader with a decision win over Lyoto Machida. The first round was a stand-up fight, but once Bader saw he was losing the stand-up, he just wrestled him and held him down and secured the victory that way over Machida. It was smart. He did what he had to do, and he's moving on to the semis. It's pretty much how all three Grand Prix fights went. All three of them were decided by better wrestlers for the most part. Um, No, we'll get to... The one I, I kind of disagree with you on. Yeah, I'm guaranteed it's Phil Davis. It is Phil Davis. Yeah, all right. That's because you've been slurping that slong since he's been in the UFC. No, that that was Rob. Rob picked Phil Davis to win this one. You too. You have been a major Phil Davis fan for no reason. It's got to be the pink shorts. No, I picked against <laughs> Phil Davis a lot. I picked against him with Rumble. I thought he lost both fights to Machida. Picked against him at the final doesn't mean you don't slurp him now, Paul. But we'll get to him in a second. The next one was Corey Anderson beat Dovaldzan Yagashimuradov in the third round by TKO. Yeah, he took him down and he beat him up for three rounds and then fin- and got the finish in the third. 
Yep, and then Phil Davis fought the champion, Vadim Nemkov. That won all five rounds because they are the uh, title holder. But that was, for the most part, a stand-up fight, and Vadim was able to just outpoint and land the cleaner shots. He was more busy, and he landed the cleaner shots. He did hurt Phil Davis in the second to put Davis on survival mode, but even Davis's best round, which was the fourth, he still didn't win the round. Yeah, because to me personally, Phil Davis has been a very overrated fighter for a long time. His best wins, for the most part, have been controversial. Looking back at Leona Machida, back in, what, 2013 area that he fought? Um, probably the first time, and then I want to say it was l- last year that they fought the second time, and that was controversial. Right. Point being. So it will be Corey Anderson versus Ryan Bader in the semifinals on one side of the bracket, and on the other side of the bracket will be Vadim Nemkov, you got to say at this point is legit. He's beaten Phil Davis twice, and then he beat Bader for the belt. Yeah. So you got to put him up there in the top 10 of the light heavyweight world rankings. But he's got a rough task in front of him because he has to face the winner of Rumble versus Joel Romero. Bellator has the best light heavyweight division right now in the world. It is better than the UFC's, and I'll stick by that. Especially with John Jones leaving, Gustafson floating around. I mean, Glover Teixeira... At this point, Glover Deshera was no title. What was he? He got his title fight against Jones, got abused, and ended up back down in, in the back end of the top 10. And with this crappy division, somehow made his way back to a title fight, and he didn't improve anything. Still does the same thing. So for me, Bellator has a much better light heavyweight division, and this Grand Prix is probably more entertaining than most of what the UFC can put out there at the light heavyweight division. Well, I'm looking forward to the Rumble-Yoel uh, fight because they kind of feed into each other because Rumble likes to come forward and throw a lot of punches with power, and Yoel's a counter-striker. So as long as they don't get too overly cautious, this one could be really good and, you know, a lot of fireworks, and somebody could be going to sleep. Or you could get Adesanya, Yoel all over again because they're both big power punches and might stand and dance. Now, I don't think that's going to happen because Rumble likes to move forward, but the only problem you're going to run into is Yoel's a very legit fighter, very good with cardio. And Johnson's known to be done after the first round. Yeah, if Rumble doesn't finish him quick, uh, UL might be able to outlast him. That's what I think is a very strong possibility of happening. I'm still sticking with my pick of Rumble winning the uh, whole Grand Prix. The only way he's going to do it is to knock is, is to knock out people his whole way through. Like, he's going to have to knock everyone out to do it. And I'm not saying he can, because for obvious reasons he can. I mean, he punched DC across the octagon. Still managed to lose the fight, but, you know, you hit someone so hard they fall halfway across the octagon, you probably got some power, especially DC. Yeah, he was able to take punches from heavyweights and light heavyweights. Right. And I, he also was able to take DC down, which very rarely happens. Uh, the only thing I'm kind of, I'm not going to say nervous or, you know, I just think it's weird and they're kind of playing favoritism, but no surprise with these organizations that Scott Coker is considering putting up a interim heavyweight title while Bader's fighting in this light heavyweight Grand Prix, but he didn't do the same for Patricio Pitbull for the lightweight division while he's in the featherweight Grand Prix, basically holding up that division. I thought he forfeited the belt. Um, as far as I'm concerned, or as far as I've seen, he's still considered to be the uh, the champ champ. I think he forfeited the belt at lightweight. I think he vacated and just went strictly down. When last I checked, they haven't stripped him of it, and he's still on their website registered as the champ in both divisions. I thought I read in an interview that he uh, 
that he relinquished the belt because he didn't want to hold up the division. That's what he said, but it doesn't look like Bellator got the memo and moved on. And that's on Bellator. It's not him. He's not holding up the division. This is Dana White all over again. Yeah, that's why I said the organization's kind of being hypocritical. However, if you look at something going back to the light heavyweight Grand Prix, if Ryan Bader wins this tournament, you can argue that he is one of the top lightweights of all time. Or light heavyweights, I'm sorry. Light heavyweights of all time. Without question. He definitely kind of puts himself at the top, anywhere between the top five, top ten area. I would argue he's in the top three if he wins this. It's he hard be, because he'd be behind Jones and DC. Then you, it would be Ryan Bader. I don't know because you still have guys like Randy Couture. You still have Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell. Look, I think he would in prime. Ryan Bader would handle in prime for Ortiz. Even though he did lose to Ortiz in a bad guillotine, I know he got caught and he does have that loss on his record, but nine out of ten times he would handle Ortiz. Ortiz got him on the one that mattered, and I think he would handle Couture in his prime. They're the same fighter, except at this point Ryan Bader is better striking. I know that hurts because you were such a big Couture fan, but it's true. Yeah, I was a huge Couture fan when I first started. So, I mean, it's just like Matt Hughes. I was a big Matt Hughes fan, but I don't think Matt Hughes could compete with today's fighters. I just don't think he could. All right. We're going to move back over to the UFC now, and they finally announced who the coaches of the Ultimate Fighter were going to be. It is going to be Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega, and then Ortega will get his title shot against Volkanovsky since their previous fight was canceled due to Volkanovsky getting COVID. Even though Volkanovsky has a great resume including two wins over Holloway and one win over Mendez. I just, and Aldo. And, and well, he kind of called Aldo on the Aldo's downside, but still, nonetheless, it's Aldo. Um, I don't know why I'm just not convinced of him as a champion. Like, he does not see me. I, I don't see him as someone who's just always going to be like, you know what, I'm going to pick him until he loses. I think he loses to Ortega. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why. I don't think Ortega is necessarily a better striker. He's not a better striker than Max. But maybe his jiu-jitsu is enough to keep Volkanovski away. But Volkanovski didn't wrestle Max. No, Volkanovski stood with Max. I did agree with the first fight with Volkanovski and Max. I thought Volkanovski won. But I definitely think Max won the second one, and they should have done the trilogy. But I didn't think the second we're one not was the close. judges. No, me neither. I didn't even, like. I, I didn't even think it was close. Volkanovski had what? One, maybe I think the fourth round is really the only round I thought he definitely won. And he won one other questionably. It was not even a close fight. I didn't understand how it went his way, but, you know, it was what it was. Yeah, and the weight classes they're doing in this one is the middleweight division and the men's bantamweight division. And we do have something to root for off the rip. There is a local kid who is fighting. He's 29. He's from Chester, PA, lives in Glendora, New Jersey, trains out of Henzo Gracie in Philly, and his name is Andre Petrosky. Yeah, I mean, it's something to look forward to, I guess, in a sense, to give you a little bit more reason to watch The Ultimate Fighter, because I don't know about you, but I've pretty much fallen off of The Ultimate Fighter. Um, it's I, I don't know what it is. Just, For me, it depends on the coaches. Uh, I mean, that season with Cody and TJ, with all the nonsense that was going on, that was damn near unwatchable. I think I watched that one more because I knew the fighters coming back because that was the season of redemption, but yeah, no, it was like unbelievably rough with those two. 
And that's kind of where I, I want to say that's that's where Alpha Male, much like with the Rousey and Tate, that's where you've seen Alpha Male's true colors and Ronda Rousey's true colors. And well, especially Alpha Male now, like we were talking earlier, because of the uh, hypocrisy of how they treated Dillashaw uh, splitting time in camps compared to how they're treating Cody. Well, Benavides was splitting camps too, and they didn't say anything. I think there was more to it than that, honestly. With with Dillashaw, I mean, there's that whole Chris Holdsworth thing where he potentially ended his career. And in one interview, Holdsworth says, yeah, he ended my career with this. And another one, he said, no, he didn't do it. The concussion problems were there prior. So, I think it comes to the guys in the room and just probably the problems between Dwayne and Uriah and Danny Castillo. But it can't be just Dwayne because Martin Campman was the head coach there. He left. But he didn't leave and speak badly about the camp, the fighters, and Uriah the same way Ludwig did when he left. I'm not saying he did or he didn't. I'm just saying there's a reason the head coaches have been a revolving door there. Yeah, they can't really seem to keep anybody, and a lot of it comes back to Faber. Well, I mean, he might as well just become the head coach himself. I think at this point he is. Well, that's probably why there hasn't been as much drama out of the camp because the guy who has all the power is now the head coach because I know that Justin, whatever, the jiu-jitsu or striking coach, I forget who he was, the other guy who was just annoying as hell on that Ultimate Fighter season, he was looking for his five minutes of fame. Um, I think he got demoted to something. Like, he's not the head guy. He's not a head guy there anymore. He's still there, but he's not, like, as important. Oh, so now he's just, like, a, a position coach. So he just does jiu-jitsu and doesn't have any superior roles? Yeah, I think so. I think I read it on MMA Junkie. All right, so who do you want to get into first for uh, the drama? Do you want to start with the Conor McGregor Poirier or the John Jones series? Either or. I mean, I'm cool with John Jones. All right, so let's start with John Jones. Because I'm a John Jones supporter where you're a hater. So going back to the last pay-per-view, Stipe Miocic lost his title to Francis Ngannou in the second round by knockout. Jones was guaranteed the winner of this fight, and the minute Ngannou won, his BS started. Look, I'm not saying anything different. It did, but in a sense, all he's asking for is a pay raise. And in reality, for a while there, he was carrying, him and Ronda were carrying the UFC for a while, before Conor. And now Conor, you're watching Conor be a small child and get his way consistently getting his money. Now, Jones does this before every fight and he gets the pay raise. I don't know if you've been, like, he does this almost before every fight. He's going to get the pay raise. And in reality, $7 million to a billion-dollar company for a fighter like this? He's not asking for seven. No, the bare minimum was seven. No, he said, if if, the, if it's not over ten, don't talk to me. No, he's the bare minimum was seven. No, no, in his last tweet when he said he talked to Dana's lawyer who sets up the contracts, he says, if it's not over ten, don't talk to me. I think they'll, any, I think it'll get knocked down to seven. Regardless, when he initially was asking, it was between seven and ten. With this billion-dollar company making as much money as they are, seven million dollars for one fight like this, for a mega fight that will sell. I mean, these fights are selling out instantly. For a mega fight like this, dude, that'll bring in that much money, you're going to get that money back. Like, this, it's a joke. Well, the I, UFC's pay scale is a joke. Oh, comparison. these guys are, a lot of them are significantly underpaid. Right. Look at boxing, dude. These guys are making five. Ben Asker made $500,000 over the weekend to, to fight a YouTuber. One million. He made one million. Well, 500000 Either way, 500000 I think, was the base pay. So whatever else came after. But that's my point. Well, he said in an interview that what he made on the boxing fight base, base pay was more than his the entire contract of all of his fights base pay and his time in Bellator. My point being is one time boxing a YouTuber 
And you want John Jones to go in there with this freak athlete, Francis Ngannou, and, and not get this money? Well, the problem is Jones, it's the way Jones is doing it, and he's pricing himself out. Now, you could say the UFC let Connor do all of his stuff, but in the same breath, they let John Jones get with just away, get away with just as much. Oh, agreed. And they supported him with all of his issues, all of his failed drug tests, his drinking and driving, his hit and runs, and they looked the other way, no fines, no suspensions, no nothing. And for him to come out and say, you disrespect me, you don't support me, one, is just bullshit. Agreed. Two, John has never really sold. He's never sold out, and he's never sold over a million pay-per-views without DC. And here's the thing. Right now, John doesn't really have any options to fight. He has two names because he backed himself into a corner. He has either drop back down, which I don't think he can physically do, and fight Israel Adesanya, or fight Francis Ngannou. And I don't think he wants to fight Francis because his last couple times he said, I know you said you saw 7 to 10, but last I saw he's asking for 15. There's no way. He wants, he wants more than Connor for this fight. He wants, you don't sell. You're not Connor. You're not going to get that money. Your base contracts have been anywhere between two to five million. And you said $10 million is a non-starter. And then you have your coach out there saying this will sell better than boxing and they should pay John Jones $50 million and the UFC will still be over. Look, dude, I do think that John Jones sells. Let's, let's be real here. He does. I'm not saying he doesn't sell. I'm just saying he doesn't sell as much as he thinks he does. He has never hit the consistent numbers of Ronda, of Brock, of Connor, of Anderson, of George St. Pierre. He never has. The only time he's broken over a million pay-per-views is with DC. And even still, he still carried them, dude. It's not like the million pay-per-view buy didn't become a big thing until recently. Not that many people break a million pay-per-view buys. No, some of them did consistently, but John has never been that guy. Well, I'm looking at the numbers right now. Not that many people have actually broken it consistently. You know who has? Aldo and McGregor. Or, or not even Aldo and McGregor. McGregor. Most of them, if you look at the over the millions, it's McGregor. And it's only like 1.2, 1.5. I literally have the numbers in front of me. It's not like you're, you're, you know, you're pointing this out like, oh, like this and that. St. Pierre, Pierre, his name's on here once for over a million. You know, they, you're just looking at the top 10. Most of the top 10 are going to belong to this Connor. This is way he's more Connor. than top 10, Paul. Way more. This is like top 50, and St. Pierre's on here one time for over a million. Don't sit there and throw St. Pierre's name out there and try and tell me this. Jones sold. Jones was one of the highest-grossing MMA fighters for a while there before Conor got there. He carried them until Conor got there. It was him and Rousey. It was the him and Rousey show, which is why the UFC the UFC wouldn't have bailed him out if he was an, if he was an average Joe non-selling fighter. They wouldn't have. Why would they do that? Would they, they, they're not going to go back and do that. You think they would, even though Frank Yeager was a champion, do you think if Frank Yeager did all that, they would have went through and bailed him out and did all that? They would have said, hell no, you're stripped. Work your way back up. No, they did it because he sold. That's why. Look, again, John Jones is a scumbag. John Jones should be in jail. I fully agree on that. But to sit there and tell me that he doesn't sell? Come on, dude. You're, you're, that's your own general hate going towards him and trying to push it on him. I just don't you're think. You're Stephen A. No, no, no. it right I don't now. think he sells as well as he thinks he does. And he's not worth as much as he thinks he does. See, I think he's he's worth it, especially to go up and do that, dude. He's put Engano is a freak, and I think Jones is the greatest fighter of all time. And I've said that multiple times. But again, you're asking him to go up in another weight class, and the difference between two hundred five and two sixty five, 
Well, that's 60 pounds. This isn't the 10-pound gap that all these other well, guys Well, are let doing. me ask you something. When DC jumped up there, he didn't get double his salary. Did he get a bump? Yeah, he went from 800000 to $1.2 So Jones wants them to more than double his contract for him to go up and fight heavyweight. And not just Francis, to go up and fight heavyweight and stay there. I don't think he's going to get that consistent number. However, for the one-time mega fight that this potentially is... So he's going to go up there and get more than the champion? No, you give, give them both the pay bump. They would both get it, and they would both get a big piece of that. Yeah, Just I like the same thing that happens when people fight Connor. I don't think that's going to happen. When people fight Connor, they get a major pay raise. They all do, which is why they all jump at him. Oh, I'm not saying they don't get a pay raise, but not like that. And you can't bring up a challenger and have him make it more than a champion. It happens all the time. Connor's made it more than champion, made more money than the champion. He made more money when he fought Alvarez. They'll always give Connor more money. Oh Connor's my God, different. Paul! You can't just throw Connor, that out there. Come you, you on, you and I both know Connor's. You and I, Come even on. Dan, can say this. You know Connor's different. Connor gets different treatment than everybody. But you just said nobody gets it, and I just pointed so out you, that one. So you bring up did. the exception instead of the rule. You said nobody does. I gave you an example. One. Name another. I'm sure if I went through, I could find them, Paul. But the point being is, so because it one guy gets it, the rest of them are going to get it now. Not the rest of them, but in this particular situation, yeah, possibly. No. John's pricing himself out of this fight because he doesn't want it. I don't think he's I think he's gonna get it. And I don't think he's gonna get the ten range, but I think they're gonna settle back on that seven eight. Because in an in a sport that's dying like boxing, you can go pull in seven, eight million dollars for the one fight. In fact, John Jones goes to boxing, I bet he gets more than seven, eight million dollars for that one fight. So that's why all these MMA fighters are making this jump. It's not because boxing is a, is a bigger sport anymore, obviously. It was for years. But anymore, MMA is obviously a bigger sport. But they're getting much bigger paydays over there. And I think John Jones knows he's going to get a much bigger payday over there because he's already threatened to go boxing. And I think he's going to use that as leverage. And Dana, like he always does with his stars, will fold. He can't go over there without the UFC's permission. Yes. They're his promoter. He has to go, They have to sign off on it. And you think if Dana, just like he did with Conor, wouldn't look at the money signs and go, yeah, we'll do that. No, because there's not a big enough star right now as a heavyweight that's going to fight John that pulls in those numbers. I guarantee you if John tries to get over there, one of your big names, maybe not Tyson Fury, but maybe an Anthony Joshua or someone like that would jump on it. I don't think it would sell the same way Connor and Floyd did. So I don't think Dana would do it. It doesn't have to sell the same way. Not everything's going to sell the same way, but if it's going to sell enough to make you money, you're going to do it. Dana uh, knows money, dude. If he didn't know money, the UFC wouldn't be a billion-dollar industry. Dana's not going to do it, and he's not going to cave, especially with how John's doing business in the media. Dana White has caved for John Jones more than any fighter other than the exception of Conor. Why would he not cave now? What in Dana White's history has shown you that he is not going to cave now? Because right now he has other options, and he's already moving on. They're looking to sign Derek Lewis now. You can sign that all you want, fully knowing that it's just buying him time to get this contract worked out. He knows that Conor's going to kill him. Unless you get another snores, like snooze fest like you did last time. Or you get a major... He's not going to give in or double or triple John's contract for this he's fight. He's going to give him more he's money. He's not. He's going to give him more Oh, money. he said he's willing to give him up to $8 million. John already said no. He's going to get it, and he'll go for it, I guarantee it. Dana said he'd give him eight. John I, said no. It, he'll get it. Then he'll probably end up getting... If he's going to give him eight, why not, why not ten? Because he said ten's a non-starter. He said it has to be more. He'll get it. He'll float around 10. I, I almost guarantee this fight will happen for about $10 million. You can hate it all you want. This is your personal hate coming John's going to run. John's going to run from it and use this as an excuse why he didn't take it. No way. But since we did talk about Stipe, who do you think's next for Stipe? 
And I'll tell Honestly, you this, they just took Jahir Zinho Rosenstrike off the board. He just signed with somebody today. It's either got to be Cyril Green or whatever. Cyril He's Green. booked. I don't remember. Anyway. Cyril Gaon is booked. Cyril Gaon. Uh, so, honestly, if I'm Stipe, I do the same thing I did with DC. I wait it out. I'm the greatest heavyweight of all time. We have split now. At this point, actually, I don't think it should even be a question. If it ain't Jones, it should be Stipe for the rematch. You've split. You, and Gano got dominated for five rounds. I think he got 50-44'd. Because I think he got 10 8 and you got And you knocked him out in the second. So for me, there was a domination of both aspects. The trilogy should happen. I think the fight to make after he takes some rest and lets his brain damage kind of settle and get rid of that concussion is Curtis Blades. I mean, maybe it's Curtis Blades' opportunity to get back into the win streak. And, I mean, if you beat Stipe, you're going to automatically push yourself to the title. But for me, if I'm Stipe, I'm going to Dana. Like, I already beat this guy, and I embarrassed him. He knocked me out. We should run it back right away. And in reality, with the way that Dana White operates, I could fully see him doing that. Depends on how long Stipe plans on waiting or trying to protest, I guess. I don't think he'll wait that long. All right, but moving on to the next one. I know they made it official the other day with Conor McGregor and Poirier, but there was a lot of uh, drama going into this one because Conor, it started with Conor predicting a fourth-round KO with a front kick. And Poirier responding, that was cute because you also promised a donation to my charity, which we never got. Yeah, honestly, I think that was, uh, I don't want to say a little bit classless from Poirier in a sense. Like, I feel like there was a better way to go about that than trying to call it out on Twitter. Essentially, yeah, I understand you're calling out a misjustice, but I feel like there has to be more concept, like context to a call out like that. Like, you know, if... For example, Connor said, my team reached out. We never really got full information from you. I'm not just going to give you $500,000 without knowing where the money's going. And if that's the case, I fully agree with Connor McGregor. He did say that, but then Dustin also counterpart. He's like, we emailed you three times once a month since the fight with that exact rundown, and I've heard nothing from your camp. This is a he said, she said situation. If the emails don't come out, you really can't get behind one side or the other because, I mean, look, Connor... But you know Dustin's not saying this kind of thing if it's anybody but Connor McGregor. Yeah, for sure. And That's he, the only thing I would say to that. And Connor has donated multiple high amounts of money to charity. So, because it, it cleans his name. I mean, let's face it, Connor McGregor has had a scumbag of a name for the last couple of years, and donating highly to charities is a great way to kind of sweep that shit on the road. It's also generally a nice tax write-off. That's what I was about to say. Also that. Clears your name a little bit, you know, you get some back in taxes. Yeah, so for me, I wasn't crazy about it. Oh, even Dustin said I probably shouldn't have came out here and did this. Uh, too you late, know, dude. At that point, in, go with it. In that, but then he also called out Connor's manager who tried to, you know, call you know, call Dustin. I was like, look, dude, I, you know, you're right. I probably shouldn't have come out of this, but don't try to act tough on Twitter. Yeah, I don't think any manager should really get involved in any of these type of situations, whether you were a former fighter or not. Because I know one of, is it Usman's? Usman's, Ali Abdelaziz is a former He was a former fighter. fighter. He never really made it, but he does know the game. I'm just saying, like, you know, unless you're a former fighter and can really, you know, stand up for yourself, most of the managers are, like, uh, businessmen, you know, in an office. I really wouldn't talk shit to a dude who could break my teeth, you know, without even thinking about it. Well, I just thought it was funny that Connor basically canceled the fight, even though the next day they kind of made it official and people were jumping in on that fight. You knew that fight wasn't going to get canceled. You knew that was, I, you know what that was? Much like we just talked about with the last one, 
That was a money tactic. I guarantee he got a pay raise. Dana, Uncle Dana came in and said, whoa, 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 Connor, why is this canceled? Oh, you want five? We'll give you eight. I guarantee he got a pay raise, and you're going to see nothing but Proper 12 commercials the entire time, even though he doesn't own the company anymore. Oh, you're going to see Proper 12 all over that octagon regardless. Right. So I guarantee there was deals made to keep Connor there because I was the one who said in the last podcast like a month ago, I didn't think Connor was going to sign this fight because if he loses again, the shine has to start coming off. It has to. I think it already started since he hasn't really won a significant fight since 2016. Right. Well, I mean, what's he, two and three, I think, in his last five fights. Um, he beat, didn't beat Nate, lost to Nate. Well, lost to Nate, beat Nate, beat Alvarez. Lost to Khabib. Lost to Khabib. Beat Cowboy, lost to Dustin. Oh, I forgot Cowboy. So he's three and three. Which, that's enough superstar rating. is A three and three fighter is not a superstar rating. And he did, we also forgot the loss to Floyd, but that was a different. Oh, I don't count that as a different sport. But my point being is I thought he was going to take a lesser fighter Someone on your 7-8 range. I know him and Ally and Quinn have been talking about fighting for a while. I thought he would take someone like that, get a nice easy win, and prime himself up for the winner of Chandler and uh, Oliver. Oliver. What do you think about him coming on Twitter the other day and telling Nate Diaz, of all people, that he's on steroids? I mean, it's those two's like, bickering is great. It's never going to amount to anything. I just thought it was funny. Of all people you called out to be on steroids, it's Nate Diaz. But the problem Connor's going to have now is if he loses his fight, this whole I'm going to get a title shot after every win starts to disappear, and it just turns he's just going to go on the same road that you know your Cowboys and Pettises were going to at this point. It's legacy and super fights. He's going to be the next Diaz. Yeah, Diaz is only going to come back for big names and big fights. Well, Diaz, is if he wins this fight against Leon Edwards, they're talking title shot. Yeah, I don't think he's beating Leon. Me neither. Nate Diaz hasn't won a meaningful fight since he beat Connor. I guess you can count Pettis. Maybe. He, well, he fights this weekend, doesn't he? Pettis fights Friday. Friday? In yeah. Atlantic City, and we can't go to it. I would have loved to hop on that. Yeah, they weren't selling tickets for the fight in the PFL. Stupid. But since we brought up boxing, you did have that terrible Jake Paul-Ben Askren fight over the weekend. Ben Askren threw that fight, and you can't convince me otherwise. No way. I'm not sure if Ben Askren threw it or if it was rigged from the start. Because when Ben Askren was dropped, he got up, and you could hear him tell him, I'm good, let's go. And the ref said no and called it off. Well, he kind of wobbled when he walked towards him, but I'll tell you why I think he threw that fight. A, he made a million dollars regardless to show. B, he legitimized Jake Paul as a professional fighter now that he beat an MMA guy. Mind you, he beat an MMA guy that is notoriously has no idea how to box. Oh, he can't throw punches to save his life. His whole game was take you down and strangle you. Right. But it, so many factors went into it, and, dude, we've all seen outside of the knee, Ben Askren has a chin from hell. Oh, I was listening Robbie to... Robbie Lawler uh, picked him up, slammed him directly on his head, and abused him. Robbie Lawler did it. Robbie Lawler's got more punching power than most people. I know he, he hasn't been doing well in his most recent fights, but as far as punching power goes, the one thing every fighter who goes to fight Robbie Lawler is terrified of is his punching power. Yeah. Um, well, Ben Ben even said in his interview, I listened to today with Ariel Hawani, said this wasn't a fight he really cared about. He wasn't in the greatest shape because he just came off of hip replacement surgery. He was done. So he couldn't make the weight they wanted him to make. They just threw a lot of money at him. He's like, this is a chance for a big payday. If I win, cool. If I lose, whatever. 
Um, this will be my last go around, and then I can go live my life the way I've been living. It doesn't really matter to me. And he made a million dollars to do it. But this seems to be a reoccurring thing now with these boxers coming in trying to make a payday off the UFC fighter's name, but they don't. I really feel like some of these major back boxers. The favor. I want to say you should have to sign a contract where if I'm going to go to you, you should come to me. But I don't think it will ever happen because MMA technically has a boxing aspect to it where boxing has no sort of jiu-jitsu, kicking, kicking, Muay Thai, none of that. Because you have Cesar Chavez Jr. signed to fight Anderson Silva. I know Conor's still trying to get the Pacquiao fight. Oscar De La Hoya has been tied to a few people's names. He was tied to Pettis, but that doesn't seem to be happening. He was tied to Woodley. That doesn't seem to be happening. And he now he's tied to Eddie Alvarez, and that seems to be picking up the most steam. See, like, I don't even care about that to the sense that, like, if I'm an MMA fighter, go to boxing. Win or lose, I'm going to make a bigger payday most likely doing boxing than I am in MMA, which, again, is unrealistic considering boxing is still it's a dying sport, and, and the MMA is only exploding more worldwide, and people are still making more money in boxing. Well, I know Jake Paul is calling out Dylan Dennis, of all people, who's another jiu-jitsu guy. So he's just trying to beat up Conor McGregor's little lap boy and a, another guy who can't throw a punch. But I know Woodley stepped in there and said, you want to fight? You just knocked out you know, my friend and my teammate. I'll be more than happy to step in and box you. And Woodley won't have to get Dana's permission because he's a free agent. How about Jake Paul if he wants to legitimize his boxing career? Fight Go boxer. box professional boxers. Thank you. That's literally what I've been waiting to get to is like this is, this is dangerous. It's legitimately dangerous because as much as like I think this guy's a joke, he has been putting in the time to learn how to box. He's legitimately like an average boxer. So at this point, if you don't go in with a boxing background, you're going to get hurt. Yeah, he's kind of, at this point, just a spectacle in a show going under this brand that Snoop Dogg and some of these other celebrities are pushing. So I don't think he'll ever fight a real legit boxer. It'll all be celebrities and washed up MMA fighters. But if he's dumb enough to go in there with Woodley, good luck. I mean, look, dude, no matter what, the kid's making money. He's making, he made more money in that night than all three of us in this room will ever see in our lifetime. So, good for him in that sense. But, like, again, like, if you want to legitimize your boxing career and say, I'm a professional boxer, how about you go into, you know, the world, what is it, the WFB, whatever, the, the, the boxing leagues. We'll just say the boxing leagues. How about you get into the actual boxing leagues? Then people will take you serious in the combat sport. Right now, people don't care. People didn't even care that you knocked out Ben Askren. Now, they're more making fun of Ben Askren for losing than giving you credit for winning. Right, and they should. One's a professional combat sports guy for the past, what, 25 years maybe, roughly? Between his wrestling and MMA career, yeah. Yeah, come on, man. Because he was an Olympian. I'm just saying, it's, it, it, it just it doesn't legitimize anything for whatever Logan or Jake Paul. Well, I know right now Dana White is in negotiations with Floyd to bring back Henry Cejudo to box Floyd. Again, I don't even care about that. Yeah, no. It's just something for Floyd and him to do, and they're both going to make money. I'll wait for the highlights on Instagram the, the next day like I but did with Floyd, this one. Floyd will be playing up. Oh, you know, he he's a two-time champion, gold medalist, but he's in not a wrestling. boxer. Yeah, in wrestling, but he's not a boxer. Does he? Can he throw punches? Yeah, but not like that. The only thing Henry Cejudo will probably have on Floyd at this point is speed, but he'll come weighing in like... 20 pounds lighter than Floyd. I doubt all his speed. Let's face it, dude. Floyd Mayweather is all about speed and rope-a-dope. 
at this point in their career, though, where Henry's still in his like late twenties, early thirties, where Floyd's in his fifties. Yeah, Floyd takes no damage or anything, dude. The guy's still a wrecking machine. And I know Floyd still tries to take credit for that MMA fight he was in that was that was fixed. Definitely not fixed in Japan. That was fixed. One hundred percent. But he still tries to claim that, so he's undefeated in MMA and boxing. And the guy couldn't kick him. All they did, all they did, was box in an MMA gym in an MMA ring. That wasn't even like a real fight. He couldn't take him down. He couldn't kick him. So it was a boxing fight in an octagon. Yeah, I know. Uh, what's it called? Tyson Fury wanted to do that with Stipe before Stipe lost the belt. Stipe's a gold glove boxer. So, all right, there's a guy who could probably transition from MMA to boxing. Rampage could have probably transitioned by now. His fat ass could get in shape. Well, I know when Rampage was the champion, he wanted to box Roy Jones Jr. It just never happened. Yeah, but, you know, whatever. Back to Connor and Poirier. Um, I think Poirier finishes him again and ruins his career. I, I just, I, I don't see Connor beating him. I don't see the mental war games working that Connor usually has working. I think Poirier finishes him. I'll give him the third. I think the game. Connor was so ahead with his striking, but he's been gone for so long that not only did the game catch up with him, it passed him by. I, I still think he has some of the best boxing. I know we just were talking about boxing, but I still think he has the best bo- some of the best boxing in MMA. But he he never really checked leg kicks in most of his career. But no one really took advantage of that. I think Joe Rogan pointed it out in one of the fights. Maybe it was against Diaz or when something. When he was supposed like to fight, well, he didn't check the kicks against Diaz, but he brought it up when. He was fighting Aldo. Yeah, like that. He, he's not big at checking leg kicks. Um, and he and still hasn't worked on his ground game enough to really stop. I think he's really got anything. good enough wrestling defense to stop Poirier. I know Poirier got like a quick takedown, but he wasn't really able to hold him down. I think he's got good enough wrestling defense now to stop a wrestler like Poirier. Poirier's not a wrestler, let's be real here. He, he is a fighter who can wrestle like pretty much everyone in there, maybe a little above average wrestling, but he's not a wrestler, and I think Connor can defend that. But I think Poirier, as far as overall, is a more well-rounded striker at this point than Connor, and I think he's got a better chin. I think they both have great chins. It's just Dustin at 55 is able to absorb some of that damage better than he was at 45 where he was depleting himself. And like you said, the head games didn't work, and Connor wasn't so far in his head that that's all he could see. And it looks like Dustin's a little bit ahead in the head games at this point, too. Yeah, when he called him out on Twitter over the uh, charity, it really not only got Connor mad, but I think it embarrassed him because it kind of called it his integrity into question. Yeah, because that needed help. But I think, you know what, dude, this could go the other way, though, playing devil's advocate in the sense that. Connor has to know his back's against the wall here. So if Dustin loses this fight, it doesn't put Dustin in any bad position in reality. It's not going to change much for Dustin Poirier to lose this fight. No, he just has to kind of win a couple fights and he'll be right, like win one or two fights, he'll be right back into title contention. Probably one. If he probably loses this one, he's probably another one fight away to get back into it. But Connor needs to fight more than Poirier. Poirier's there. Poirier should be fighting for the belt, but he chose the payday, which, you know, I respect him for choosing the payday. However, I would prefer to see the belt strapped around him. However, there was a big rumor going around that Justin Gaethje came out and said it, that the UFC didn't want a champion right away that lost to Khabib, which puts Connor, Poirier, and Gaethje on the all back. All out of the running. All out of the running until this fight settles, until the dust settles here. So, 
And I mean, look, dude, if Tony Ferguson comes in and, and goes back to his ways and beats Dariush, that sh- that shoots him right back up. Well, Tony said, and I listened to an interview today, that his performances were so bad recently is because he was keeping everything separate, so there was no cohesion with his team. Like his boxing coach thought he should do one thing, jujitsu coach he could, thought he should do another, wrestling coach. So they all came in with different plans, and none of them could agree. And because of the COVID restrictions, he didn't get the reps he needed. So he left all of them and is in a strictly MMA camp now, and he's with a cohesive group to work with them on everything. And he's doing things he hasn't done in years, like sparring and really drilling hard MMA. The only thing he's still doing separately is his boxing, again, boxing, with Freddie Roach. Look, I want to see more than anyone Tony Ferguson succeed because I think he got shafted on the titles, on a title shot at this point. Um, Some of that was... I, I don't want to say it was his fault because he got injured, but when you're scheduled to fight a guy five times and all five times it doesn't fall through, and three of those times are for the belt, I'm not it kind of is what it is. I'm, but, I mean, how many fighters go on a 12-fight win streak? Come on, dude. There's been a few. Right, and how many of them don't get a title shot? He had two. T- he had one title shot. He fought for the interim t- belt twice and was scheduled to fight for the belt three times. It should have happened before Khabib even got it. He should have been there. Before Khabib, it should have happened. It really should have. Let's be real here. But, you know, it didn't. And for that reason, I actually really am pushing for him to go on. Plus, he's one of the most entertaining fighters in the UFC history. History. He's one of the most entertaining fighters. Well, he thinks he's on that card in case somebody drops out so he, him or Darius can fill in. It's possible. It's definitely possible. All right, but we do got to move on. We do have the big pay-per-view this weekend, UFC 261. We're going to go over the main card real quick since there are three title fights this weekend. But opening the card, you have Anthony Lionheart-Smith, the number six versus the number 13 in Jim Crute. Yeah, I think Smith's back. Now that he's kind of rebounding, I'm, I'm going to go with Anthony Smith. I think Smith needs to wrestle and grapple and make this fight dirty. What because the, do you have the betting odds on that? I don't think he wants to stand and strike with Jim Crute. All right, so I guess it's a no on the betting odds. Um, right now, I do. Hold on. Let me see. I can pull up DraftKings in a second. For Go whatever ahead. reason, my app wasn't loading. Um, but regardless of what, I, I think Anthony Lionheart-Smith is actually a fairly safe bet in that situation. If you're looking to gamble, I would put money on him. He's probably a slight favorite, but like I said, I don't think he wants to stand there and strike with Jim Crute. I think if he's going to win... He's going to want to grapple and take it to the mat and submit him. I mean, that's how he beat Gustafson. I mean, like, again, we hated, like, dude, for whatever reason, me, you, and Rob hated on Anthony Smith. It's We think it, we thought the same thing of him that we think of Masvidal, that he was kind of fool's gold. He just went on a bit of a run, and that's how he got himself into that conversation. I mean, he, he did beat some major names, though, on the way there. It's not like he didn't beat some big guys. Yeah, other than, but other than Gustafson, I thought a lot of them were guys who were on their way out and over the hill, like Shogun and Rashad. I mean, they're still big names. I mean, Rashad's a Hall of Famer. Shogun will be a Hall of Famer. Will be a Hall of Famer. Um, so uh, it finally loaded through. Because, you know, apparently. Uh, yeah, actually, Anthony Smith is an underdog. Oh, wow. So he's a plus 160 underdog. I think he's actually a very safe bet there. I would go Anthony Smith. I think I would stick with Jim Crute, but then again, that's going right back to what we were just talking about, where I think he's kind of fool's gold. Yeah, I'm actually going to put money on Anthony Smith right now before that line changes. The second fight of the night, 
on the main card is a rematch from years ago. Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman. And in their previous fight, Chris Weidman beat Uriah Hall in a, the third round by TKO. Uh, I think Weidman, again, I would. I think he's going to get the W again. He's sitting at a minus, a minus 115. It's actually really close to a pick because Uriah Hall sitting at a minus 108. I would actually favor uh, Chris Weidman in that one. I would favor Chris Weidman in that one because of his wrestling and his jiu-jitsu, but it wouldn't surprise me if Uriah Hall puts him away. Uriah Hall's got to catch him. That's the only way I could see it. He's back down at 185. He looked good. He didn't. He looked okay in his last fight being Weidman. I mean, Uriah Hall beat Silva. Well, Weidman, his last fight was back down at 185. He only yeah, he had won. one fight at 205. But he had two at 205. One. He lost to Dominic Reyes and came right back down. Anyway, so either way, Weidman looked okay. I mean, it was a sloppy fight, but he got his W back, so I'd like to see him keep progressing forward as a, a superhero. Sure, I'll appreciate Weidman. He's a superhero. Never forget Ray Longo. Fattest coach I've ever seen. Coming from a guy sitting in a recliner with his belly hanging out of a shirt. Yeah. You know, you got Matt Sarah there who's half a meatball too because Dana White said if he wanted to fight again, he'd have to create a new super heavyweight weight class for him. Yeah. But moving on to the first title fight of the night. We have Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade. I think in the flyweight division, Jessica Andrade is the hardest test for Valentina because, let's face it, Jessica's fought a lot of the best girls, not only at 115, but 120 or 135 when she first came in. Looking at the gambling odds, uh, Shashank is a huge favorite. She was going to be. At a minus 455. There's no value there. I would not pick Shevchenko to lose a fight at this point in her career until Shevchenko loses the fight. The only one you might pick against her, and I said might, is if they put her against Nunes again. No, I would definitely pick against her. At at 125, no way I'd pick against Shevchenko. At 35 against Nunes? Yeah, I mean, come on, dude. Nunes just signed a fight, and I think that's unfair for Juliana Pena. But yeah, I, I even think Dan would agree. Shevchenko's on that level where you don't pick against her until she loses. Correct. I think the line tells you that. Here's the one where I think me and Sean are going to disagree on a little bit. Well, that's the because you co-main event like that bald little is Zhang Wei Li versus Thug Rose Nama Yunus. Yeah, no, I don't see any way Rose would have to catch her. Zhang Wei Li is a good wrestler, strong on her feet. Uh, Rose. Obviously a good fighter, not taking anything away from one of the best 115ers at all time at this point, but I don't see how she beats well Zhang. Well, Zhang did something Rose didn't, and Rose did something Zhang didn't. Zhang finished Jessica Andraj, and Rose finished Yoana. But if you go back to those fights, in your opinion, Yoana won both. No, I thought... You thought Joanna um, beat Rose, and then you thought Joanna yeah, also yeah, beat Yeah, yeah, th- I thought she beat her in the second fight, and I wasn't the only one in that. If you actually read most of the media at the time, most of the media thought that Joanna beat Rose the second fight, and there should have been the trilogy. And then, I mean, outside it, what helped Zhang, uh, Zhang win the, the fight with Joanna was appearance after the fight, because Joanna outstruck her the entire way. If you actually look at the numbers, I believe Joanna was ahead of her in most categories in the numbers. Well, that's the reason I think Rose can win is because Rose doesn't take as many hits as Joanna. Yeah, but Rose is... And I uh, think she hits harder than Joanna. Maybe? I mean, I, I don't... Think, don't get me wrong. I think Joanna's striking is better and cleaner, but I think Rose hits harder, 
and she's a little bit more elusive and doesn't stand in front and take as much damage as Joanna does. Yeah, but I just don't see Zhang losing in this sense because Zhang's wrestling is strong. She comes forward. She hits hard. I mean, she she finished the girl that you just said is going to be the toughest test for Shevchenko. Well, that's because you and I both agree that 125 is a weak division. I agree, but even still, like, Andrade went up there, got a finish, and people are looking at Andrade to be this next big upset. You know, and she is a freak. I mean, she's got freak power, especially for her size, but, you know, Zhang finished her with ease in the first round. And Rose was finished by her, I think, in the second round. In the I mean, second round by Powerbomb, but Rose was picking her apart, and the, Rose did that to herself by not letting go of that arm And bar. I thought Rose lost... The rematch. I thought Andrade beat her in the rematch. No, I thought Rose won that. That's because you're biased. <laughs> no, if you look at the numbers, Rose won. I think you're a little biased there. Because if you look at the numbers, Joanna beat Zhang. But if you looked at their faces, Zhang beat Joanna, And Rose was sitting there with a broken nose and a black eye. And Andrade had a couple bruises on her face. So, again, that went from more appearance. Because, I mean, Joanna didn't even look like the same person by the time the fight was done. She looked like Megamind. I, I wouldn't even say that, dude. She had a, ah, it was gross. Looked like you could pop that forehead on her with a needle. But when you look at the line for that one, like Zhang is like a two to one favorite, but when uh, Rose is only like a one to f- like one and a half times payout as the underdog. So like that's one where I honestly think that you know you could put money on Rose and it'd be pretty decent. I think they're kind of telling you that they don't really. I I don't think there's a good read on this one honestly. So when you see those fights where it seems like they're not super sure but like the consensus may be on Zhang, then I think that's usually the time that you might want to sprinkle a little bit of money on the dog. Yeah, I think that money line is going to move a couple times. I mean, sitting at right now on Tuesday, sitting at minus 200 for Zhang and plus 165 for Rose, I I have a feeling come fight actual day, it's fight day, it's either going to get very close or Zhang might run away with it. I where, don't... where are you seeing that, DraftKings? Yeah, I'm on DraftKings. Yeah, so, I mean, it's even closer to even on FanDuel because FanDuel's what I'm looking at. So, yeah, so it definitely could start trending that way. I think you're going to either trend to – you're going to trend towards Namayuma's kind of evening out and eventually becoming a pick em, or the other line will go at Zhang being a minus 200. More people will jump on it and just start throwing heavy money on it and move that line way up. But I can't ever see Rose becoming the favorite in this scenario, in which I don't see her as the favorite. And, yeah, that's that's about all I got to say on that one. I think this fight will be the fight of the night. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not going to say they're going to put on the same performance as Zhang and Joanna did, because that's hard to follow. But looking at this card top to bottom, I think this one is the fight to watch, fight of the night-wise. I don't know, man. I think you're only saying that because you got, like, a small chubby for Rose. <laughs> All right, so look at it. Who do you think is going to be the fight of the night? I think I think Usman and Masvidal has a shot at it. I think. A well, lot, that's th- the main event, Usman Masvidal. But I I don't see it going any different, really, all that different see, than gonna, the first fight. I'm going to disagree with you because I think Usman took a lot of criticism for it, and he's going to come out like a dumbass, and he's going to sit there and stand with him for a couple rounds until he figures out that Masvidal swings and hits hard, and then he'll go back to it, which could lead to. Some veteran, I mean, look, look at it. I mean, Usman did get cracked by Gilbert, so I wouldn't be shocked if Usman got cracked by uh, by Masvidal. Uh, what was that, making noise? No, you're kind of going in and out when you rock a little bit. Oh, well, you know, it's a rocking chair, dude. I'm moving. Um, But, yeah, I, I could see Usman and Masvidal being a slugfest, to be honest with you. No, I think if he does that, it'll be round one, and then once he sees that's not really in his favor, he's going to go right back to 
as Khabib would say, father's plan. Take him down and beat on him. I couldn't disagree with him. If I was fighting Masvidal, that would be my plan. But I'm also one of the, I mean, if you listen to like seven podcasts ago, I was the one who said Masvidal is definitely fool's gold. And his wrestling, will, his lack of wrestling, will, he, he's Anthony Pettis of the welterweight division, dude. Phenomenal striking, very flashy. But when it comes to the grind of being a wrestler and being put up against the cage, he just seems to fold because he can't do it, which is weird because he trains at AKA, which is a phenomenal wrestling gym. Oh, yeah, it's one of the, I think, arguably the best camp in all of MMA in the U.S., if not the entire world right now. Yeah, between that and AKA. I mean, AKA for a little while was pumping out champions left and right. I think that at some point they had like three yeah, you had three D- champions. Like DC, Kane, Luke Rockhold, Habib. I think at some point they had three. They had Luke, DC, and I think one of the other champions at the time, might have been one of the women, was a product of AKA. I know Yuan is out of... She's down in America Top America Team now. Top team. So, I mean, honestly... I know Rose is out in Denver with Usman and uh, Gaethje. Yeah, Pat Barry's... Her, I think Pat Barry's still a striking coach. Yeah, he's a striking coach for the entire gym. Trevor Whitman's the head coach. So... There you go. But, yeah, I think Usman, he says eventually he's going to go back to his camp once everything settles down. But I think it's going to go the same way. I think Usman maybe loses a round or two, but when it all is said and done, he's going to come out with his hand raised. Oh, yeah, Usman's hit the same point as Shevchenko. I don't see him losing until he loses. I don't even think he's a minus 400 right now on DraftKings, and I wouldn't even touch it. I mean, if you want to throw a small amount of money on Masvidal and hope for a flying knee, that's your best shot. Well, I'll put it to you like this that a lot of people don't really look at or know. I know he doesn't have an undefeated record the way Khabib does, but his UFC record is the exact same as Habib. I think he's only got one loss, though, on his record. On his record. It was his first fight in his career. Yeah. But his UFC record is 13-0 and with three title defenses, the exact same as Habib. Okay, so unpopular opinion here for most of the world. I don't think Habib is one of the best fighters of all time. I do not either. I think and he's one of the best lightweights of all time. I would put him in the top five, but I wouldn't put him there because he has the same amount of title defenses as Benson Henderson, BJ Penn, and Frank Yeager. All three of them have the same amount of title defenses. They did it longer and are still, well, BJ's not out now, but, you know, there are plenty of Benson's over in Bellator, but there's nothing for me to say outside of an undefeated record that puts him there. The one who has a real stake to make, you know, claim to be the greatest lightweight of all time is if Eddie Alvarez wins the one championship belt well, too. I'll have three belts. He will have won a belt in all three major organizations. And I know he fought in Dream. I think he won a Dream Grand Prix, but I don't think he ever won a Pride f- Grand Prix, but I know he fought in Pride. He fought in Pride at the end. So he's got Bellator, major organization, came over, won the UFC belt, and then if he wins the one of you know, one of C then there's very little you could argue at that point other than he never was able to really defend a belt. So to make our picks for the main card, I'm going Crute, Hall, Shevchenko, Rose, and Usman. Uh, I'm going to go Smith, Weidman, Shevchenko, Zhang, Usman. I'm pretty much picking the favorites. Down. Well, pretty much you picking have one dog and Paul yeah. has two. Say Smith's the betting underdog, but he is the ranking wise fighter wise. So yeah, I'm pretty much picking all, all of the uh, higher ranked fighters in this one. How about you, Dan? You want to throw your two cents in? I have no idea, uh, to be honest. <laughs> but you know, 
as as a guy who mainly just looks at the lines, like I said, I actually think that they're uh, actually. So FanDuel just updated from when I looked at it, and actually, like you said, Sean. I mean, there's only over a couple of minutes, but Zhang just went full two to one favorite, so shifted just a little bit. Um, I think there is value on Rose, and I also uh, think if I was going to make another play, just look, looking at the lines, I'd probably take your eye Hall uh, as an even money underdog. I like it. Hey, hey, Rob, how about you? Your picks? Nothing. What uh, else is new? Well, you know, I threw I threw ten dollars on this uh, eight eight hundred to one underdog because you know you figure what the hell you know if if I win I'm rich, but you never win. And then he would just buy more rings. All the rings. Get dragon rings without dropping ten dollars on that dude. (laughs) At least he needs at least two more dragon rings. Maybe a skull. Once he gets a motorcycle, he's actually gonna have a ring that is the key to the motorcycle. How many skull rings does he has? I know he's gotta have at least one skull ring. Oh, yeah, I thought you were gonna say like three. Three might be the minimum. The next time he's back, we'll do it on Twitch, and we'll make him do like a QVC segment where he shows us all his rings. And this is one Caitlin bought me for our anniversary. I bought this this one on a cruise, and this one on a cruise, and this one on a cruise. And this one I actually undug from a child's pirate adventure that I snuck on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry, Rob. You know, I actually wouldn't be surprised if he got drunk and did that. That's true. (laughs) I mean... There's a flyer. I can't blame him. Just saying, like I haven't been to Hot Topic in a long time, but I can only imagine he's been there within at least the last two weeks. <laughs> Where else are you going to find that tight of a leather jacket? I don't know. <laughs> Baby Gap? <laughs> Please end this episode. All right. On that note, we'll wrap it up and make fun of Rob another day. Hopefully he'll be here to defend himself next time and we could do it to his face. Either uh, way, we're going to say the same shit. You're probably right. Sean, any last thoughts? No, no. I'm looking forward to seeing him and, and learning about how little he, he likes my wardrobes. I'm sure it'll be a nice bickering match next time I see him. Dan, anything else? Kiss the rings, bitch. Bend the knee, kiss the ring. On that note, we'll be wrapping it up, calling it a day. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>